Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are we recording? We're in. Great. <laughs> We're in. We're back. Mystery Team Incorporated style. Mm-hmm. What else? That's all. I just... Ceremonial quacking of the beers. Quack, quack, motherfucker. Quack, quack, motherfucker. Take back the house. Take back the house. Yeah, so it is, we are recording on election night, and it's been a little One disappointing. One since but you looked at me. It's been a little disappointing, but there have been some victories, so. A lot of women. A lot of women, a lot, a lot of, of people gays. of color. A lot that. of uh, minorities and underrepresented factions. Who are gaining some representation. Literally. Um, do you have any business? We have a Patreon, not that anyone looks at it. Has anyone even looked at it? Mm. I haven't looked at it. I don't know. Great. Yeah. All right. Who goes first? What episode is this? What timeline are we in? The darkest. The darkest. What year is it? 2017. Who goes first? No, it's not. <laughs> it's almost 2019. <sighs> Who goes first? I don't remember. I don't think it matters. Do you want to? I always do. Then go first. Yay! You mean wait? Do you mean you always want to, or you always? I always want to. Oh, then go first. Yay! Okay. I uh, just wanted to shout out the Smithsonian Magazine, from whom I got a lot of this information. Baltimore City, October third. Do you want to introduce what you're doing? No. Great. Go back. Sorry. <laughs> I get it. I'm being dramatic. I get it. Baltimore City, October 3rd, 1849. Dear Sir, there is a gentleman rather worse for the wear at Ryan's Fourth Ward Poles who goes under the cognomen of Edgar A. Poe and who appears in great distress, and he says he is acquainted with you. He is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Jose W. Walker to Dr. J. E. Snodgrass. I know. (laughs) So... Not grass. Edgar Allan Poe, author of The Raven, The Telltale Heart, and my favorite, Cask of Amontillado. How do you say that ever even? Amontillado. <laughs> Thank you. Was born in Boston, Massachusetts in 1809. He never really knew his parents because his father left and his mother died when he was three. She was 24 of tuberculosis. When is someone going to write a hip hop musical about him? <laughs> we could do it. We could. We could be the one. His father died and his mother lied. It's for extra <laughs> It's Into the Woods? Yeah. Is that our hip-hop yeah. musical? <laughs> That's the twist. Edgar Allan Poe. Poe rhymes with a lot more stuff than Hamilton does, so. Yeah. And Burr. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he was sent to live with a wealthy tobacco merchant and his family, uh, the Allens, <clears throat> which was an adopted moniker, by the time he was 13, he was already a poet, but John Allen, his foster father, discouraged him from pursuing a literary career, and they often butted heads. Enter Sarah Elmira Royster. Ooh. Royster and Poe were neighbors in Richmond, Virginia, when they began their relationship in 1825, when she was 15 years old and he was 16. They discussed marriage, though Royster's father vocally disapproved. 
They were secretly engaged as Poe began classes at the God, University so of Virginia evil. in 1826, which was the University of Virginia was one year old when he enrolled. Oh, <clears> baby. However, Royster's father intercepted and destroyed all of Poe's letters to his daughter. Royster wrote later that his disapproval was only because of their young age, but he likely also considered Poe unsuitable due to social and financial status as a poor orphan. Yeah, because he's like a little emo boy. Yeah. Mm. Thinking Poe had forgotten her, Royster married Alexander Shelton, a businessman from from a well-to-do Virginia family. Royster was only 17 at the time, but quickly gained social prominence and wealth. Shelton worked in the transportation industry and was for a time, the co-owner of a boat line that traveled the James River. So, Edgar Allan Poe got engaged, and then went off to Virginia, or to University of Virginia, and this, Sarah's dad just intercepted all their letters, so she legit thought that he just forgot about her, even though he was writing her, like, all the time. I know, he's like Dobby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Poe, while at University of Virginia, excelled in classes, but John Allen wouldn't supply enough funds to cover the cost. Poe gambled to make up the difference, but ended up in debt. Yeah, that's how that works, dum-dum. When he returned home, he found that his neighbor and fiance Sarah Elmira Royster, had become engaged to someone else, so he moved to Boston. That's, so he, he didn't, like, explain what happened, and then... It was too late. Why? Because what are you gonna do? She already got married to someone else. I thought she was just engaged. No, she got married. Fuck. When he came back, she was engaged, and then she got married. But if she was engaged, couldn't he have been like, it was Dottie? I don't know. We don't know. The Weasleys still picked Harry up in the Ford Anglia. We don't know. Are we going to find out later? And that's No. What? We just don't know. I'm furious. I know. <laughs> and we're not even to the mystery yet. This is like in those sitcom episodes where like there's a misunderstanding. I did yes. some hard air quotes on that. Yeah. And it's just like if someone sat down for 25 seconds. Just, they could figure it out. Instead of running around. Right. Yeah, causing like, antics. We, it could have saved us 22 minutes and a whole laugh track. Yeah. Like how friends could never have existed now because of cell phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Just text Monica, see where she is. Yeah. Right. Problem solved. She won't even make it to Richard's. No. The subways will, would have been running yeah, so Yeah, and Chandler could never have said, gum would be perfection, because he would have just been, like, on... He just would have been texting while he was locked at the bank. Yeah, he would have had a Twitter feed about... Him. He would have been tweeting, and then the police <laughs> would have showed tweeting up. it. Great. Um, <clears throat> in 1827, around the time he published his first book, Poe joined the U.S. Army. In 1829, he was discharged in order to receive an appointment at West Point. He excelled in his studies, but he hated it there. Um, so he purposefully got court-martialed in order to get expelled. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because keep in mind that, like, John Allen, his foster father, like, wanted him to, like, make something of himself. And so mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not going to pay for your dumb literary school. I'll pay for you to go to West Point. And, like, make something, like, respectable of yourself. So Poe, by the time he was expelled, he had earned 200 demerits. <laughs> While there, he asked each of his classmates to donate a dollar to help him publish his new book of poems, and eventually dedicated it to them. The, his first book of poems is dedicated to the U.S. Corps of Cadets. This volume is respectfully dedicated. You know it's funny? That my cat is ruining everything. Yeah, but also, if I was in college and someone was like... Give me a dollar for my book of poems. Will you give me money to publish my book of poems? I would be like, absolutely not. Biographers disagree as to the nature of the couple's relationship, but Poe married his first cousin, love interest and literary muse, Virginia Clem, when she was 13 and he was 26. This is way worse than your neighbor when you're 16. Falsely claiming on their marriage license that she was 21. What? She Um, was 13? Yeah. 
And so there's a lot of speculation about why this happened, because there had been a bunch of deaths in her family, and Poe, uh, it got engaged to her and said, move your family to Richmond and I'll take care of you. So it seems like it was maybe not, like it might have been above above board. He married her for legal reasons, so that he could provide for her and her family. why couldn't he just provide, like, they were already related, why... Why did they have to be married? I don't know. But they did fall in love eventually. Gross. <laughs> um, then, and they, like, were very much in love by the end. But, just yeah. gross. At the age of 24, just like Poe's mother, Virginia died of tuberculosis. Same way and same age as his mom dying. <laughs> well, it runs in the family. Then I wrote, oh, come on. <laughs> Uh, Is that what you wrote? No. I'm just making a gross joke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, Then I wrote, I'm skipping over Poe becoming a successful author because you can read about that literally anywhere, but the point is that despite his success and popularity as a writer, Poe continued to struggle financially throughout most of his life. Yeah. Because this was before they paid writers for things. (laughs) What, you got like half a farthing per ten words? Yeah. No, per page. Um, And also... Yeah, but the the print was so big because they were using stamps. True. (laughs) Um, And... Also, a, a lot of stuff... Like, his work was really popular internationally, but people would just copy it. Like, they didn't buy it. Yeah, it's They like just Lime distributed wire. it. Yeah, exactly. But, remember Sarah Elmira Royster? Unfortunately. Well, her husband died of pneumonia on July 12th of 1844. Good. Royster and her two children were, were left in a state worth $100,000, with a stipulation that... This is in 1844, so that's, like, a lot of money. 100000 100000 You want me to look it up? Please. $3,365,853.33. Great. So she was left an estate worth $100,000, which would be $3,000,000, today. Wow. Um, with a stipulation that she would lose two-thirds of the estate if she ever remarried. Whoa. That's a shitty move. So yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, in July of 1848, over a year after the death of Poe's wife, Virginia Clem, Royster recalled... I was ready to go to church, and a servant told me that a gentleman in the parlor wanted to see me. I went down and was amazed to see him, but I knew him instantly. No. They resumed their relationship, no. and they got engaged. No. To the public, Sarah later vehemently denied that they were ever engaged, but in private, she did admit their engagement to close friends. Their possible early, their reason early for this? Engagement? No, their the second engagement. The possible reason for this could be that her children and family deeply disapproved of their relationship. Why? So she was trying to figure out. If, because he was like a poor emo boy. Some historians wonder if she denied their engagement because she was afraid of losing her estate. Absolutely, that's why she did it. Why are we postulating that? I'm just saying. There is, she never confirmed that. What po- Okay. Well. Okay. <clears throat> okay. On September 27th, 1849, Poe left Richmond for Philadelphia to edit a collection of poems for Mrs. St. Leon Loud, and from there he would go to New York to escort his aunt back to Richmond for his impending wedding. Sarah wrote, he came up to my house on the evening of the 26th of September to take leave of me. He was very sad and complained of being quite sick. I felt so wretched about him all that night that I went up early the next morning to inquire after him, when, much to my regret, he had left in the boat for Baltimore. However, on election day... No. uh... Today's election day. On election day, October 3rd, 1849, Joseph W. Walker, a journalist with the Baltimore Sun, went to Gunner's Hall, a pub that had been set up as a polling location for the Fourth Ward polls. 
outside, he encountered a delirious man wearing ill-fitting, shabby, second-hand clothing, lying in a gutter, unable to move. He had lost his travel trunk, and he asked the man if, uh, Joseph asked the man if he had any acquaintances in Baltimore who could help him, and hastily wrote the letter that I read to you earlier. Poe was brought to a Baltimore hospital and put into the care of attending physician John Joseph Morin. What happened to Skidmore? Scuttlebutt. Snodgrass. Snodgrass. (laughs) Skidmore, Scuttlebutt, Snodgrass. He comes back, don't worry. Great. But uh, Snodgrass was like a friend of Poe's who was a doctor that lived in Baltimore. And so he came and like got Poe and they took him to the hospital. Copy. Poe died on October 7th, so four days later, never having become conscious enough to explain what had happened to him. From October 3rd through 7th, he lay in a hospital in Baltimore, deep in a fever, having fits of hallucinations, and occasionally crying out for someone named Reynolds, or asking for his wife in Richmond. As we know, he didn't have a wife in Richmond, uh, so he he was uh, either referring to Virginia, because he was hallucinating, or he was referring to Sarah. But uh, everyone thinks that Virginia was the muse for, like, the Raven, and all of the early Poe stuff where there's, like... Of the, the specter of a young woman, it's Virginia. So some people question whether or not he was referring to his wife, Virginia, because she had not died that long ago. But That yeah. makes me sad. I know. His death certificate listed his cause of death as phrenitis, which is swelling of the brain. But the original death certificate has been lost. Great. If there Good ever, job. If there ever was one. Good job, guys. Bureaucratic incompetence. Um, yeah, once again. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's fitting that since he invented the detective story, says Chris Semptner, curator of the Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia, he left us with a real-life mystery. What a dick. Uh, I also now have to shout out the other source that I got a lot of information from, which is eapoe.org, and also Wikipedia, obviously. Are there theories about... (laughs) We're getting there. Oh, good. I thought you were done, and I got... Oh, my God. That was, like, one page. I have, like, eight pages of this. Thank goodness. Don't panic. Please indulge my obsessive personality. So, most of what we know from his days in the hospital comes from the personal writings of Dr. John Joseph Moran, or maybe it's Moran, who may himself be an unreliable narrator, which Poe would have loved. Um, Poe was denied any visitors. And he was confined in a prison-like room with barred windows in a section of the building reserved for drunk people. Who denied him the visitors? The doctors. Who was trying to visit? Uh, he had a family that came to visit him. And um, when I was reading about the case of the trunk, which we'll get to, uh, there was some family whose last name was Herring that lived in, the, lived in Baltimore that kept trying to come to see him. Okay. Um, Snodgrass was convinced that Poe died from alcoholism and did a great deal to popularize this idea. He was a supporter of the temperance movement and found Poe a useful example in his temperance work. Oh, fuck you. However, Snodgrass's writings on the topic have been proven untrustworthy. Yeah. Poe's obituary and his first biography were written by his rival, Rufus Wilmot Griswold, under a pseudonym, who became the executor of his estate. How? Possibly through dubious means or a mistake. Um, Also... What was in his he, estate? He was, well, his, all of his writing. Oh. <laughs> <Shit>. um, <laughs> uh, but this guy, uh, Griswold, he was an acquaintance of Poe's. Like, they came up together. He was his burr. Yes, he was his burr. But they were, like, foils of each other. They were rivals. And 
he, but, but they weren't like outwardly vicious with each other. And so he came to Poe's family and said, he asked me to be the executive of his estate because Griswold had been the executor of the estates of other authors. And so he seemed super legit. So he became the executor of Poe's estate. So he's like worse than Aaron Burr. Yes. Yeah, all Aaron Burr did was shoot. <laughs> he wrote him a... True. He wrote his biography, and he just, like... He's the one... He's the reason that we have the myth that Poe is an alcoholic. Um, Griswold slammed Poe as an alcoholic, a drug abuser, quick to anger, arrogant, and just an all-around asshole. Yeah, that's what I would say about my rival, too. But you know what people would say about my rival? That she's lovely, probably. I don't have a Are you rival. talking about me? <laughs> I thought you were saying I wish a rival. No. <laughs> I'm my own rival. You really are. Mm-hmm. You're your own worst enemy. I'm going to write my own <laughs> obituary that says, like, she was a dumb piece of shit. <laughs> um, Poe's characterization as an alcohol, uh, an un- alcoholable uncontrol, <laughs> as an uncontrollable alcoholic. What did you say? Alcoholable? Uncontrollic. Because I'm an alcoholable uncontrolling. Um, <laughs> Poe's characterization as an uncontrollable alcoholic is disputed. Mm. <laughs> Unlike mine, which is <laughs> scientifically proven. Uh, his drinking companion for a time, Thomas Maine Reed, admitted that if the you two- have a drinking companion, <sighs> I do. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the fact I that were, we have. I thought you were challenging me. No. <laughs> Just having a like, drinking I companion. I do have one. I know. It's me. And you. Yeah. Yourself. Right. <laughs> I'm my own drinking <laughs> And your own rival. Um, God, what a sad existence. So he admitted that the two engaged in wild, quote-unquote, frolics, but that Poe never wanted to, uh, never went beyond the innocent mirth in which we all indulge. Mm. While acknowledging this as one of Poe's failings, I can speak truly of its not being habitual. That is... <laughs> He the was like, phrasing yeah, he wild frolics right. is counterintuitive. Yes. Because I think a frolic in and of itself is a pretty it's... calm, benign <laughs> activity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A calm frolic is like, as a opposed to... A wild to... frolic is right. basically like, maybe one of your shoes untied. Yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe going to a second pub after the first one. Oh, no. And you have like another Chardonnay. Yeah, exactly. Another Kendall Jackson. <laughs> Um, so some believe, and this is like a pervasive theory that I've read because Poe himself attested to it, um, and his sister had the same problem. This will come back later, but some believe that Poe had a severe susceptibility to alcohol and became drunk after one glass of wine. He only drank during difficult periods of his life and sometimes went several months at a time without alcohol. Um, they, there is a theory... Right. Well, there's a theory, and um, I read a lot about it. And his sister has the same had the same thing. He has like a like a hereditary intolerance, so it makes him really really ill. And he did go uh. through a phase where he uh, drank too much and got deathly ill. It'll come back, but yeah. So just that's something to know. Now comes what became of Poe's travel trunk? Yeah, because he was traveling to New York, and they found him in someone else's clothes. Oh my god, I forgot he wasn't in his own clothes. Outside of a pub where people were voting in a gutter on election day. People were voting in a gutter? No, in a pub. You got to vote in a pub back then? (laughs) Yes, they gave you alcohol. I'm getting to that. Okay. 
If only I wasn't a black woman, I should have been born there. <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only we were white men. Um, what became of Poe's trunk? Well, it contained lectures on poetics, several books, including Poe's own books. For example, a copy of The Raven and Other Poems with his own corrections scribbled in it by oh. his own hand after it had been published. His own rival. He was still correcting his own, yeah. On the 25th of October, 1849, more interested in the trunk than consolation, Griswold, his old net frenemy, wrote to Thompson, who was, uh, I don't remember who that is, in Richmond. Thompson was... No, I haven't mentioned him him yet. He was just another person who was, like, kind of around. Oh, I thought he was the first doctor. He might have been, no, that's Snodgrass and Moran. Moran. Um... Thompson was, like, a part of the family or a solicitor or something. Um, But Griswold wrote, Poe's trunk has not been recovered. Mr. Nielsen Poe of Baltimore writes that from something said by Poe, it was believed that he gave it into the hands of a porter at Baltimore to carry to the Philadelphia Depot. Can you give any clue to it? It contains some important letters and his lectures, and I am very anxious to obtain the last to print. Because I'm a snake. Right. The available evidence supports the notion that it was retrieved by Dr. Moran, who, after some searching, claimed the trunk from the Bradshaw Hotel or the train depot, which was across the street. So he left his trunk with a porter at the, like, on the, when he was on the train. Mm-hmm. But then he never took it with him, and he got off that train, like, four days earlier. So what happened to him? There's more. Don't worry. Okay, because I'm confused. <laughs> what can I clarify for you? Nothing. Great. <laughs> theories! Continue. Great, great, great. Um, I want to give T's theory, which is, because I was talking to her about this briefly, and they won't... T is Maggie's roommate. Yeah, my roommate. Um, you know, because they found him, like, fucked up in the street, but his trunk was still at the train station, and no normal person getting off a train in another city would go to even their hotel without their trunk from the train station. T said, and I quote, someone got to him on the train. Got to him? Mm -hmm. With what? A glass of wine? Maybe. We don't know. Okay. Here are the theories. I I forget how much I hate not knowing. Here are the theories. (sighs) Beating. An article published by a biographer shortly after his death claimed that, at the instigation of a woman who considered herself injured by him, he was cruelly beaten, blow upon blow, by a ruffian who knew of no better mode of avenging supposed injuries. It is well known that a brain fever followed. And Eugene Didier wrote in his 1872 article, The Grave of Poe, that while in Baltimore, Poe ran into some friends from West Point who prevailed upon him to join them for drinks. Poe, unable to handle liquor... Yeah, that's going to be more than a frolic. ...became madly drunk after a single glass of champagne... Oh, ...after which he left his friends to wander the streets. In his drunken state, he was robbed and beaten by ruffians and left insensible in the street at night. How did he get in someone else's clothes? That's... That's... That's the theory. Um, but also that... Both of those accounts come from articles written at the time that don't really have any corroboration. But that's just a pervasive theory. Okay. Second, I like it. I second theory, one. cooping. Kayla's giving me the best face. Cooping, cooping is a method of voter fraud practiced by gangs in the 19th century, where an unsuspecting victim would be kidnapped or shanghaied, sometimes drugged, disguised, and forced to vote for a specific candidate multiple times under multiple disguised identities. Listen, I love a mob that's interested in democracy. I know. <laughs> 
Voter fraud was extremely common in Baltimore around the mid-1800s, and the polling site where Walker found the disheveled Poe was a known place that Coopers brought their victims. Before Prohibition, voters were given alcohol after voting as a sort of reward. Had Poe been forced to vote multiple times in a keeping scheme, that might explain his semi-conscious state. Because he was super susceptible to alcohol. Oh. So if some dudes, like, had a fucking knife to his Drug back and they were like, you're going to vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they dressed him up as a different person. Each time? Mm-hmm. Oh, my and God. And made him go vote. This is the most drama queen mob thing and I've that's ever why they, heard. Maybe that's why they found him in the gutter outside of a polling location on this. election day. I buy this. And they didn't know who he was. They didn't know he was Edgar Allan Poe. Because Poe had become sort of famous at that time. People in Baltimore knew him, but, like... Not like ruffians who don't read. You don't know they don't read. They're really interested in politics. Here's the thing. Not ruffians. You're right. I take it all back, actually. You make a very good point. But here's the thing. They might not have recognized him. Yeah, well, do people... And they didn't know that he had a people know what he looked like? Some people did, yeah. I mean, people would say that, like, in Baltimore, he would get recognized. But maybe not by, you know, the the gang that was... Especially if you've been spending so much time planning election rigging. Mm Mm-hmm. I also think that, that these gangs were just hired by politicians. Oh. I love so they might not have been personally invested in the election. <laughs> Damn it. In my brain, they were like, listen, Ben O'Rourke is going to do it's real the good liberal mob. state. It's the liberal mob. Oh, man. But they didn't know that he was susceptible to alcohol, so maybe he know. got fucked up and then he fell into a fever and died. Okay. So theory number three is alcohol. It has been documented that after a glass of wine, he was staggering drunk. His sister had the same problem. It seems to be something hereditary. Months before his death, Poe became a vocal member of the temperance movement, eschewing alcohol, which he'd struggled with all his life. Biographer Susan Archer Talley Weiss, which is so many names, too many, recalls in her biography, The Last Days of Edgar Allan Poe. Susan Arthur Talley Weiss. Four. Archer Talley Weiss, yeah. Archer. Um... She recalls an event toward the end of Poe's time in Richmond that might be relevant to theorists that provide a, uh, that prefer a death by drinking demise for Poe. Poe had fallen ill in Richmond, and after making a somewhat miraculous recovery, he was told by his attending physician that another such attack would prove fatal. According to Weiss, Poe replied that if people would not tempt him, he would not fall, suggesting that the first illness was brought on by a bout of drinking. Modern science, however, has thrown a wrench into this theory. Samples of Poe's hair from after his death show lev- low levels of lead, explains Sempner, which is an indication that Poe remained faithful to his vow of sobriety up until his demise. Why is lead the only thing that we're testing? Well, I'll explain that in a second, too. Heavy metal poisoning! Some people theorize that he either died of carbon monoxide poisoning from gas lamps inside of, like, you know, which they used to light things with inside. Yeah, but everybody was Or inside. heavy metal poisoning from, like, lead or something. So that's why they were testing for lead. Um, but yeah, there was no evidence in the DNA that he had been, in his hair, that he had been drinking for, like, a long period of time. Theory number whatever yeah, number one. There was no evidence that he was, like, a long-time abuser of alcohol, but there was there also no evidence that he had been drinking know. right before? I don't know. Yeah, for some reason they only tested for metals. Cool. Good job, guys. Next theory. There were 19 theories, by the way. I had to whittle them down. Great. Rabies. <laughs> rabies was a common illness in the 19th century. Poe indeed had many of the symptoms of rabies. but He was a raccoon. <laughs> 
he had little hands. <laughs> and he used and, them to eat pomegranates out of a cup. He looked like he was wearing a little mask. Or like he got his eyes. Dark circles under his eyes. Little hands. <laughs> Theory number Super 12. Cute. Poe was a raccoon. <laughs> he ate <Like> garbage. <laughs> um, Sleep in the gutter. Yeah. <gasps> Did we solve it? He was raccoon kin. Yeah. Um, no, all but rabies was like a common illness at the time. Olive, really? Rabies was a common illness at the time. Um, and Poe had a lot of the symptoms of rabies. But he never developed hydrophobia because he was drinking in the hospital, drinking water in the hospital. Which, Is that one of the symptoms mm-hmm, of rabies? Mm-hmm. Hydrophobia. And... Like as a psychological thing? Or yes. Like, like you're like literally afraid of water? No, you psychologically... Like you become afraid of water in like the last stages of rabies. I've never heard that before. Yes. That's loony too. Isn't that, well, Why? it's a reason that a lot of that's the reason a lot of rabid animals die in the wild because they stop drinking water. But why do you become afraid of water? I don't know. Um, he never developed hydrophobia because he drank water in the hospital and there was no evidence that he'd been bitten by an animal, but there's no like way to say that he would have necessarily remembered being bitten by an animal if he was rabid. Yeah. Okay. Next theory. Brain tumor. When Poe, this is all a big quote from Wikipedia, sorry. When Poe died, he was buried, rather unceremoniously, in an unmarked grave in a Baltimore graveyard. Why? 26 years later, because he was never, like, that successful in his life. No, but, like, why didn't they at least bring him home to Sarah? She was feeling wretched about him all night the night before he left. She deserves to bury him. 26 years later, a statue was erected, honoring Poe near the graveyard's entrance. Poe's coffin, I don't know if you know, do you know what happened with Poe's coffin? Uh-uh. Okay. I told you I purposefully learned nothing about this. I just knew this for some reason before. I, I knew that I shouldn't know. Um, my whole life. So Poe's coffin was dug up and his remains were exhumed in order to be moved to a new place of honor. But more than two decades of buried decay had not been kind to Poe's coffin or the corpse within it. And the apparatus fell apart as workers tried to move it from one part of the graveyard to another. So, to this day, there are collectors who have pieces of Poe's coffin. That's Which is, like, so the most emo, cool. most, like, metal. Will you get me one for Christmas? If I can, I will, for sure. But, like, I'll get you one. There were... That's a great idea. <laughs> They're worth, like, millions of dollars at auction. Because there were, like, a bunch of spectators standing around. Because this was, like, 26 years after his death, and Poe had become, like, kind of a big figure in literature. And so there were a bunch of people around watching them move his coffin. And when they dropped the coffin, everyone just rushed it and stole pieces of it. Oh my god, that's yeah. so cool. Um, I want that. Little remained of Poe's body, but one worker did remark on a strange feature of Poe's skull. A mass rolling around inside. Ew, what? Newspapers of the day claimed that the clump was Poe's brain. Shriveled, yet intact after almost three decades in the ground. We know today that the mass could not be Poe's brain, which was one of the first part, which is one of the first parts of the body to rot after death. But Matthew Pearl, an American author who wrote a novel about Poe's death, was nonetheless intrigued by the clump. So he contacted a forensic pathologist who told him while that while the clump could not be a brain, it could be a brain tumor, which can calcify after death into a hard mass. Oh, that's so icky. According to Sempner, Pearl isn't the only person to believe Poe suffered from a brain tumor. A New York physician once told Poe that he had a lesion on his brain that caused his adverse reactions to alcohol. It's that one, but also the Democratic mob. Great. (laughs) The next explanation. Flu. I wrote, could have been a flu. (laughs) He was sick before he left Richmond, which Sarah says... And he, oh, right. he had been ill in Richmond, and he recovered, and 
Sarah and his doctor both said, like, I don't think you should travel because you've been really sick. And he was like, I feel a lot better. I'm just going to go. Um, so they theorized that it could have been a flu that turned into pneumonia because it was raining the day that they found him. So fever would explain the hallucinations and delirium if he was, like, in an advanced state of fever. And the last theory... Murder. <laughs> um, in his 2000 book, Midnight Dreary, The Mysterious Death of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, that's such a good name. Author John Evangelist Walsh, which is mm. like, why would that even be part of your name? Um, he wants everyone to know. Presents yet another theory about Poe's death, that Poe was murdered by the brothers of his wealthy fiance, Elmira Shelton, which is actually Elmira Royster, but she took her husband's name. Using evidence from newspapers, letters, and memoirs, Walsh argues that Poe actually made it to Philadelphia, where he was ambushed by Sarah's three brothers, who warned Poe against marrying their sister. Frightened by the experience, Poe disguised himself in new clothes, accounting for, in Walsh's mind, his secondhand clothing, and hid in Philadelphia for nearly a week before heading back to Richmond to marry Sarah. Sarah's brothers intercepted Poe in Baltimore, Walsh, Walsh postulates, beat him, and forced him to drink whiskey, which they knew would send Poe into a deathly sickness. Not a soup's pop theory, I wrote. <laughs> Plausible, but not likely. There's no corroborating evidence. All we know is that her family hated him. Uh, so, so they just, would like, have... They had guy a, wrote a story. Right. They, there's, there's motive for murder, and there is, like, evidence, like, in he, like, pulls evidence from, like, newspapers, where they're just, like shit-talking each other, basically. No, that's dumb. Um, for Sempner, who's, keep in mind, the curator of the Poe Museum, shout-out, however, none of the theories fully explain Poe's curious end. I've never been completely convinced of any one theory, and I believe Poe's cause of death resulted from a combination of factors, he says. His attending physician is our best source of evidence. If he recorded on the mortality schedule that Poe died of phrenitis, Poe was most likely suffering from encephalitis or meningitis, either of which might explain his symptoms. Um, the only problem is that his attending physician came back and changed his story like five times. He's also the one who picked up the trunk from the train depot, which seems like a weird thing seems for your like doctor to do. maybe he was in cahoots with, um, Maybe. What's his name? The executive. Walton. Uh, Griswold? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I wrote in question mark, in, in question mark, with a question mark in bold, laudanum, because... Poe did earlier in his life use opium and even introduce laudanum into his sort of like way of dealing with his what coping with his depression. It's essentially like heroin. But, but is it's it like, like heroin opium. that doctors gave you back in the day? Kind of. Like it, when they were like, brush your teeth with cocaine. No, it's like, do you remember in um, Mystery of Edwin Drood how. Nope. Okay, great. <laughs> It's a tincture of opium containing 10% powdered opium. It makes you, like, hallucinate. It, not the way that, like, acid does, but, like, in, in Victorian England, there were a lot of cases of, like, because it was a really popular drug, and people would, like, take laudanum in opium dens, and that's when they would, like, get shanghai or, like, go sleepwalking and do weird shit. Or vote. It's, right, or vote. <laughs> um... By the 1800s, laudanum was widely available. It could easily be purchased from pubs, grocers, barbershops, tobacconists, pharmacies, and even confectioners. Barbershops? And 
candy stores. <laughs> the drug was often cheaper than alcohol, making it affordable to all levels of society, treating headaches, persistent cough, gout, rheumatism, diarrhea, melancholy, and quote-unquote women's troubles. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, nothing treats my women's troubles. <laughs> like good old-fashioned opium. Um, what is Olive doing? Biting me. Why? Uh, but Brom Stoker, Charles Dickens, George Eliot, Dante, Rossetti, Percy, Bysse Shelley, Lord Byron, and many others were all known to have used laudanum. Long story short, laudanum can make you do weird shit, like, like, wander the streets in the night. Um, so I always wonder, whenever there's, like, a Victorian person who shows up, like, hallucinating in a gutter, I'm always kind of like, was it opium, though? How often do Victorian people show up hallucinating in gutters in your life? Um, once in Edwin Drood, (laughs) and once in The Moonstone, and once in Dickens' book. No, I mean in your real life. My life is books. And plays. okay. Intellectual... No, I get all Somebody of my life experience from very smart from, from and like places to know. Is it you? Yes, <laughs> it's all I have. Um, no, Victorians never show up in the gutter of my life, but I, <laughs> which is where I spend most of my time, the gutter of my life. But, um, but because I'm really into Victorian um, literature, I've no. read a lot about it. Victorians never show up hallucinating in the gutter of my life. The end. I'm so mad. That's all we know. We don't know how how or why he died. Was he murdered? Was he cooped? Murdered. By a, by a gang of ruffian a, I think voters? A, I think it was a coop, coop murder. Coop de gras? Coop de gras. <laughs> Is that related to Gavin de gras? Mm-hmm, no. Mm. I don't um, I think it was the coop. I think it may have been a coop too, just because of the polling place and his alcohol thing. But then I also think that brain tumor sounds right. Well, he probably also had a he brain could have tumor. Also, yeah, that's very true. In the, the words of April Ladgate, you can have two things. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it could be both of those things, or yeah, all. It could I be all of them it could at the be, same time. Yeah. You know, I was listening to the last podcast episode on the uh, 9-11 conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how people have all these crazy theories, and they were like, sometimes, like, a plane hits a building, and then, like, just shit happens the way it happens. Like, yeah. that's math. It was an, uh, an inside job, and George Bush did it. Okay, but, like, not that <laughs> part of it. <laughs> they were talking about how the buildings physically fell, and how, like, the way that they were built meant that, like... One of the support beams fell, which caused the other two to, like, warp in the heat. If a plane really crashed into the Twin Towers, what happened to the plane? It blew up. Oh, my God. I'm leaving. That's what they want you to think. (laughs) She took off her headphones as if that stops the recording, which it doesn't. I'm still just sitting here talking to myself. I know. I just didn't want to not hear it. (laughs) Um, Could you not hear what I was whispering? No, I could, but because they weren't plugged in, it wasn't doing anything. (laughs) I'll play it back for you when we no, I could hear are what on you our were break. Saying. I know, but I want you to hear me. I don't want to hear it. It was all nonsense. We'll be back after these messages. Maggie's a dumbass. I have headphones on. Oh, I thought on. you were going to cut me off. So it would be like a really, like, it would be like, Maggie's a dumbass. I will in the edit. Don't worry. <laughs> You did it! Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, so, p- 
there's some uh, postulate, postulation. There's some nourishment. <laughs> um, Dear sir, there is a gentleman rather worse for the wear at Ryan's fourth ward, ward polls who goes under the cognomen of Edgar e. A. Poe. I gotta take it back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry to put him his name. You know, All right. stop and then go again so you know where that is that I totally dicked it. Okay, are you ready? We'll see. We're in. Great. My mystery is the mystery of Cicada 3301. Uh-oh. A bug? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Solved it. All a right, bogue. everyone. <laughs> it was a bug. So, this is an internet mystery. Ready? hmm So, on January 4th, 2012, a post appeared on 4chan. <laughs> it was... This is a recent mystery. Mm-hmm. It was a message written in a thin white font against a black background, so they, like, posted the image, and it said, Hello, we are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in this image. Find it, and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few that will make it all the way through. Good luck. And it was signed, 3301. I love this, and I can't wait to post it on our Instagram. It's the best. So... Most of my information I got from this article in Rolling Stone about this kid named Marcus Wanner, who did it. There's, like, a bunch of articles about this other guy who actually didn't end up doing it. Okay. And I was like, that's stupid. I don't give a shit about anything about him. Okay. And then I found this one, and it was like, Marcus is a true hero. So Marcus was 15 when the first puzzle was posted, and he ended up... um like, teaming up with some other people who, like, a couple weeks in seemed to be on his level. One of them is named Tech. <clears throat> he won't tell... He wouldn't tell the author his name or anything other than that. Like, he just wanted to go by Tech. And this... So, like, maybe eight others. And they went by the name hashtag something. Great. It doesn't come into play. Wait, what was the solution to the puzzle? Are we getting Well, there? yeah, hold okay. on. It's not just a solution. Okay. Okay, so it's Marcus and Tech. Okay. Trek. Tech. So, the first puzzle was, there's a message hidden in this image. So, I'm going by, in the Rolling Stone article, it tells, like, what, the, what Marcus and Tech and their group did on the puzzle. So, for the first one... What they did was they opened the image file on Notepad, which, if you've ever tried to do that, you know, it gives it you just, just gives a string you... of bullshit. Yeah. The end just of wingdings. it. Yeah, it's pure wingdings. But the end of the string said, Tiberius Claudius Caesar says, quote, LXXT greater than sign 33M2MQKYV2GSQ3Q equals sign W close bracket capital O 2NTK. Got it. Easy. Right? Turns out, so Caesar was a clue that it was a Caesar cipher, mm. which is a cipher that Julius Caesar used to use. Cool. I know. 
where it's just, it's basically, um, it's like, it's a substitution cipher where each letter in the original message corresponds to another letter in the alphabet, a certain number shift to the left or the right. Okay. So, so like, they're all, like, whatever's four letters after. Exactly. Um, so, like, A would be represented as D. Yes. Okay, copy. So, and Tiberius Claudius is the fourth Roman emperor. So was it four? So it was four. Oh my god, I'm psychic and You're also a genius. a genius. You should go and try to solve. Apparently. Um, okay, so they used the shift of four to change the quote, mm-hmm. and it became a web address. <gasps> I know. Cool. The web address led to a page that just had an image of a wooden duck, and the text, quote, whoops, just decoys this way. Looks like you can't guess how to get the message out. Oh, fuck. I love this. Mm-hmm. Outguess is the name of a steganography program. Steganography is just the practice of, like, hiding messages in other things. Okay. So they ran the duck decoy image through a program, through the Outguess program, and they got a book cipher. What? Mm-hmm. With 75 combinations of numbers. And with the cipher, they also got a link to a Reddit page. And the Reddit page was just full of nonsensical lines of jumbled letters and dashes and dots in the header. They figured out that the string of letters and dashes and dots was Mayan numerals. What? To quote Marcus. He's 15. He was 15, yeah. He said, I learned that in like fourth grade. With a sniff. That's what the Rolling Stone article said. And I was like, Fuck okay, you, Marcus. Marcus. Fuck off. So, so they have their Roman numerals, and then if you scroll down in the text on the, on the Reddit page, you see the word welcome, and that links to an image of a welcome map. If you run that image through Outguess, you get a PGP encryption key. PGP is an encryption program called Pretty Good Program. Okay. And it just encrypts for you. Okay. So you get a key used <clears throat> to sign and verify messages, and that key revealed the name of the group, which was Cicada 3301. Great. Further down that page, you see the word problems, which linked to a repeating distorted image of what appeared to be a medieval painting or a tapestry, and within that, a hidden outguest message was... The key has always been right in front of your eyes. This isn't the quest for the Holy Grail. Stop making it more difficult than it is. Good luck. 3301. Oh my god. So they took the Mayan numerals and they derived and a bunch of other numbers on the page and they derived a sequence of numbers and set about seeing how it could be applied to the letters on the page. Mm -hmm. They found a pattern. It does not say what the pattern is. I'm sure it is so complicated that we We could not understand understand it. it. Yeah. The first words of the pattern were King Arthur, and the rest of the text ended up being a Welsh romance called The Lady of the Fountain, about a knight who loses his love when he spends too much time pursuing adventures. They then applied the book code to The Lady of the Fountain, and they found this message. Call us at telephone number 21439 which was in Texas. Okay. So they were like, whoa, that's so scary. Beto. It got real. It was Beto all along. (laughs) And then finally they were like, we have to fucking call the number. Mm -hmm. When you call, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-mm. you hear a computerized voice message that says, very good, you have done well. There are three prime numbers associated with the original final JPEG image. 3301 is one of them. You will have to find the other two. Multiply all three of these numbers together and add a .com to find the next step. Good luck, goodbye. Cool. I know. So the final image is obviously, or, oh, it's the original final .jpg is what the image is called. Clear, obviously, the first message, the white text on the Mm -hmm. black background. The other two numbers ended up being the height and width of the image in pixels, which were 509 and 503. Smart. Which are both prime. Smart, smart, smart. Multiplied together, you get 845,145,127. 845145127.com led to another website that had a picture of a cicada with, like, its wings out. Ooh. And beneath the picture spooky. was a countdown. Oh, spooky. Mm-hmm. If you run the image through Outguess, you get the message, you have done well to come this far, patience is a virtue, check back at 1700 on Monday, 9 January 2012. Mm. On Monday, January 9th, 2012, the webpage updated to reveal... 13 pairs of numbers that ended up being coordinates. No. I know. And then they were like, this is scary. It's moving into the real world. I don't want to go. And also they were all over the world. So they like put it into Google maps and Mm -hmm. there was one at near the university of Warsaw. There was a parking lot in Seoul. There was a country road in the North shore of Oahu. One location came up in front of a prominent doctor's house in a wealthy section of Seattle who was like, I don't know what Cicada 3301 is, sorry. Oh. People around the world were like, I live near there. And they went. And they found, like, a poster taped to, like, wherever. This is, like, GeoQuest. like, Mm -hmm. original GeoQuest. With a cryptic black drawing taped to a telephone pole. So the, it was a drawing of a cicada, and below it was a QR code. All over the world? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I have a list of where they were. Um, Warsaw, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Paris, Seoul, Seattle, Miami, the one in Oahu. There were... How many? Thirteen. Mm-hmm. The codes led to one of two different riddles, each with a book cipher. The first was the Encyclopedia Britannica 11th edition... And the other one was Agrippa, the 1992 poem by sci-fi novelist William Gibson, Mm -hmm. uh, which was distributed on a floppy disk and coded to encrypt itself after you read it so that it could never be accessed again. Cool. Um, Both of the clues included a somewhat chilling note from 3301 that suggested they were both aware of and not keen on the solver's collaboration. And they said, (gasps) you've shared too much to this point. We want the best, not the followers. Thus, the first few there will receive the prize. Oh, no. Creepy. So people started getting super paranoid. Yeah, I would be. They thought maybe it was the CIA or the NSA or a hacker group. And one of the people from their the group that Marcus and Tech created, whose name was Joaquin, he was from Chile, and he got creeped out because he got a, a phone call at 2 a.m. that was just an emergency test tone and nothing else. Creepy. Yeah. Um, People started dropping out of action on the forum Mm -hmm. in droves. Um, Joaquin said that he, he said, quote, I had a contingency plan with a friend where if I disappeared, I would try to leave behind evidence. Creepy. Yeah. Um, Tech got suspicious of the group they formed 
and he adopted the philosophy, everyone except you is Cicada. Mm. And he withdrew, and he became really secretive with, like, solving. And then one afternoon, um, Tech logged on and found that someone had posted his full name, address, and pictures of his family. Mm-mm. Then, <clears throat> on February 6th, Marcus received this email. Congratulations. Your month of testing has come to an end. Out of thousands who attempted it, you are one of only a few who have succeeded. There is one last step, although there will not be any, there, there will not be any hidden codes or secret messages or physical treasure hunts. This last step is only honesty. We have always been honest with you, and we expect you to be honest with us in return. You have all wondered who we are, and so we shall now tell you we are an international group. We have no name. We have no symbol. We have no membership rosters. We do not have a public website, and we do not advertise ourselves. We are a group of individuals who have proven ourselves, much like you have, by completing this recruitment contest, and we are drawn together by common beliefs. A careful reading of the text used in the contest would have revealed some of these beliefs, that tyranny and oppression of any kind must end, that censorship is wrong, and that privacy is an inalienable right. We are not a hacker group, nor are we a wares group, which I guess they trade music and movies online. Okay. We do not engage in illegal activity, nor do our members. If you are engaged in illegal activity, we ask that you cease any and all illegal activities or decline membership at this time. We will not ask questions if you decline. However, if you lie to us, we will find out. You are undoubtedly wondering what it is we do. We are much like a think tank in that our primary focus is on researching and developing techniques to aid the ideas we advocate. Liberty, privacy, and security. And then it ended with a questionnaire. And the first question was, do you believe that every human being has the right to privacy? Marcus wrote, yes. They responded with, do you believe that information should be free? Marcus said, seriously? You guys are badass. I'm with you all the way. Mm, Okay, Marcus. Because he's a little nerd. Yeah. And they said, do you believe that censorship harms humanity? And he said, without a doubt. Count me in, but with one reservation. You have presented two conflicting ideas. Resistance of censorship and a requirement to refrain from illegal behavior. What if the people who would censor certain aspects of culture? What of the, quote, pirates? I believe that there should be no restriction on the sharing of information. Do you ask me and the other, quote, chosen ones to cease sharing of copyrighted material? Thank you for a life-changing experience. And he sent that, and then he waited mm-hmm. until the 28th, where, when he received an email from 3301 that said, Hello, the next step is finally here. And then it included specific instructions for visiting a secret site on the dark net, along with a username and password. And then it just said, welcome. Oh my goodness. I know. Tech also got the email. And then they estimate about 20 others. Mm-hmm. So the dark net address led them to a chat forum with the other recruits and a handful of people who claimed to be members of 3301. They asked a bunch of questions. They got some answers. The story that they could piece together was that 3301 had been started by a few friends who shared like-minded imperatives, anonymity, privacy, encryption, and they wanted a way to pool their talents to create useful software that ensured these ideals. As friends recruited friends, 3301 grew internationally, and the group, as they understood it, had no official affiliation with one government or military. Uh, Tech said they insinuated they were a part of a bunch of different organizations. It was some kind of secret society. And they shared the common goal of increasing privacy and security in the digital age to ensure and ensure the freedom of information. So the name obviously takes inspiration from cicadas, 
And the inner circle referenced the so-called periodical cicadas whose populations, which were called broods, only emerge from the underground every 13 or 17 years, which are prime numbers. Mm-hmm. 3301 was chosen because it's a twin prime backwards and forwards. Hmm. Um, and they were organized into decentralized cells, which they called broods, um, each with its own area of research. And the group is compartmentalized so that individual cells don't know anything about each other. Mm-hmm. Marcus and Tech and the other ones that they were recruited with were part of, part of Brood B.O.H. Okay. What does um, that represent? Uh, no idea. Okay. Um, Bow! They... Brood Bow! <laughs> uh, they used puzzles for recruitment in this case because they were seeking people with coding and cryptography skills. Cool. Um, they were tasked with writing software that reflected the ideology of the group, but they weren't told, like, do this. They, like, came together as a group and discussed for a couple weeks, and they decided they wanted to write software that protected whistleblowers. Cool. And this was, like, right when Chelsea Manning was on trial. Uh. Yeah, so they came up with an idea and that they called the Cicada Anonymous Key Escrow System, or CAKES. And basically, it would trigger the automatic publication of sensitive data online if and when a whistleblower or researcher was indisposed for a period of time due to death or incarceration. Cool. Which is super fucking cool. That's really cool. Um, eventually, working on cake started to feel like homework to some of them, and they started participating less and less. Tech faded away from the group. By the end of 2012, Marcus was the last one still coding. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because they weren't getting paid or anything. Right. Um, so he appealed to the, quote, the elders, um, and he asked them to recruit new people to help write cakes, and they said they would. On January 4th, 2013, everyone was like, I wonder if Cicada's going to post another puzzle. And while everyone was, like, in the methods for it's like, what's going to happen? Someone posted <laughs> anonymously, I was part of what you call 3301 slash cicada for more than a decade, and I'm here to warn you, stay away. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. This started, this, like, they ended up calling this the warning, is how people... Mm-mm. The author said he had been a military... I'm scared. I know, it's really creepy, and I have chills. I'm scared. But it's also cool. Um, the author said he had been a military officer in an unnamed non-English-speaking country when, after a year of being unknowingly vetted in person, he was recruited by a member of 3301. He described them as a group of like-minded individuals, all incredibly talented and connected, working together for the common good, the good of mankind. But over several paragraphs, he cautioned about their cultish beliefs, a conviction, for example, in, quote, the, glo- the global brain as another kind of god. Mm. Uh, 3301 was nothing more, he wrote, than a religion disguised as a progressive scientific organization and then he concluded by saying he had since found Jesus. <laughs> Which is like, dude. You dicked it. Dicked it. He Don't dicked go it. on, like, 4chan and be like, you should listen to me because I found God. No, I just love that he's like, they're basically just a culty religion. <laughs> and after I found anyway. God, I realized. <laughs> okay, so, the author of the post um, could not be reached and disappeared. What? Well, yeah. Because he had to go to church group. Obviously. Marcus. Wait, this bring- I have a question now. What? Based on just, like, the method of recruitment, like, the story so far, it seems like, and because they're, like, international, it seems like it's, what? Did you get beer in your eye? Yeah, I got one tiny drop (laughs) straight into my pupil. (laughs) 
Like, I felt it hit, like, right in the middle. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> it seems like Cicada 3301 exists, like, primarily online. But now with this testimony, it sounds like that's not true. He was being vetted in person. Yeah. So do they have, like, meetings in person for some, some of them? I bet some of the broods did. But some of the broods don't because they're, like, anonymous internet I mean, we don't know. Okay. I'm just... What do you think? I think... It, sa- it sounds it like... it exists... It sounds like this one's... The only reason we know about this one is because they recruited on the internet. And the only reason they recruited on the internet is because they were looking for cryptographers and coders. God, that's so creepy. Because it's like... This guy was like, oh, I was a part of it for a decade. Yeah. And so I was they were recruited doing in person. pre-internet. Like, probably way back, way pre-internet. Yeah. Okay, cool. Go on. Um, so Marcus said of the warning that he believed it could have come from someone in the group because it sounded like, like he, he was, it, he was like, it, it did feel like a cult and Mm -hmm. this, everything this guy said checks out, Mm -hmm. but he thinks perhaps it was purposeful misinformation to deter anyone naive enough to believe it. Interesting. So, hours after the warning... I had that here, thought, too. I yeah. was like, is it a plant? It, sound, it sounds like some shit they would do. Um, hours, did anyone run that through... <laughs> no, because it was a text post. I know, but did anyone have, like, I don't know, examine the first letter of every fourth word or something and be like... I don't fucking know. I bet someone did. But there was a hidden... I'm sure someone did. Message. I bet Marcus did. Or what if Marcus made the whole thing up? Sorry, go on. I mean, there's just too many other people who... Okay. <laughs> um, we don't really have anyone else to corroborate what he says about... What I'm saying is, what if Marcus is everyone, besides, like, maybe Tech? What do you mean, everyone? Like, what if Marcus was the one that posted the original post, and Marcus was the one that, like, quote-unquote solved it, but, like, what if... It... Maybe. I mean, there's other, there's articles about this other guy, I think his name is like Joel Erickson or something, who got as far as Marcus did, but he, when he got to the mess, the end of it, mm-hmm. where Marcus got the email, he got a message that was like, we already got everyone, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. Marcus could have done that. What if Marcus set up the whole, all of the puzzles? Why? I don't know, because teenage boys are idiots. Why would he? I don't know, because he wanted attention and teenage boys suck. That's possible. I don't I know. agree with your statement that teenage boys suck. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Okay, go ahead. I'm just thinking out loud. Okay. So. Because it got him an interview in Rolling Stone. I don't know. Because boys like attention. So hours after the warning appeared, an image was posted to 4chan written in the same font. The white font. Hmm. It said... Hello again. Our search for intelligent individuals now continues. The first clue is hidden within this image. Find it, and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few that will make it all the way through. Good luck. 3301. The 2013 puzzle was just as insane as the 2012 one. (laughs) It had a book cipher from an I wrote from a book by our fave, Alistair Crowley. Yay, Crowley! They had a riddle embedded in a song, an amplified guitar instrumental that, upon spectral analysis, revealed a humming sound at a frequency of 15.4 to 16.1 kilohertz, and an analysis of the MP3 file (laughs) uncovered a hidden message. 
in the, and that message said, like the instar tunneling to the surface, we must shed our own circumferences, find the divinity within and emerge. I wish, I I wish anyone could see the face I'm making right now. <laughs> I know. And they also did also, the flyer thing again. Just do less, Todd. I'm sorry. This is just so dra- like dramatic. I'm just. I know it's either one. Find the divinity within. Um, I'm gonna need you to go listen to a song and analyze the amplified guitar instrumental. Relax, guys. Do less. Shed this mortal coil. <laughs> I don't like that you're looking up and away right now. I'm Hamlet and find Um, the divinity within. So obnoxious. This is definitely boys. It's definitely boys. (laughs) Of course, because girls would just be like, excuse. How great would it be if if this was all women? It wouldn't be. We should make a cicada. We should make a cicada, a cicada by women, and it's just like, we can do whatever we want because men won't pay attention to us anyway. We can call it Butterflies 8. Eight's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite number. Mine too. Because, like, I was born on the 8th. No, you weren't. I know, I'm just saying that that's oh. why girls say. <laughs> yes. No, 8 is half of 16. I was born on the 16th. I know a girl who loves 11 just because her birthday is November 11th. And I'm like... That's 11-11. Yeah, I know, but you need more than that. That's true. Does she love it because on the 11th day of, at the 11th hour? No. Not ringing any bells? No, what is that? It's when World War One, the armistice. No. Cool. I don't know that. She certainly doesn't. Right, 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 right. No, Butterfly she just likes eight. it because it's about her. Oh. <laughs> it's not about World 11's War II. 11's my lucky number because I'm 11. Functionally. St- mentally. <laughs> Copy. Uh, yeah, that's... She really likes astrology. For real. Uh, you know who I'm talking... You know And there's person. 11 stars in my... Do I? Oh, that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love wallowing in other people's failures. Okay, anyway. Now that we're done being bitches. Petty. <laughs> We tried to create our own, um, <laughs> like, super intelligent society, and we got distracted by, like, by being, shit-talking <laughs> Oh, we're such a bad influence on ourselves. Listen, we just gotta, like, find the divinity within. Yeah, and emerge. Right. And emerge. So then what? So then, within weeks, solvers hit a dead end. <sighs> solvers. People... Solvers sounds like... The na- last name of the sidekick detective. <laughs> like, well, I don't know, Solvers. <laughs> or like, elementary, that. my dear Solvers. I want to write that. I mean, I don't actually, I don't want to write it. I just want, you just want it to be written? to write it. Yeah. Right, copy. Uh, I run into that problem a lot. <laughs> I just want people to make stuff so I can watch it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so some people who claim to have completed the puzzle return to the forums complaining that they'd never received the final invites to join the group. Oh no, did someone drop the ball over at <laughs> Butterfly 8? Or did they not do... Did they not complete the puzzle? Yeah, yeah. come on. It takes a lot yeah, to I join really... Butterfly 8. You need to know how to properly <laughs> apply the holographic highlighter. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking highlighter. Listen... Girls who can apply highlighter are witches. Witches, yeah. In, a, the, in the best way possible. Right. Did you read that article about witches as a feminine symbol? It's great. 
No, that doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. We're, fuck off. We're witchy, <laughs> we're hexing everybody. And we're literally sparkling. Right. All I want is to be covered in glitter and casting curses on men. We can do that whenever you want. You always tell me I wear too much glitter. <laughs> you do? <laughs> but that's beside the point. No. <laughs> okay, so others speculated that those who had been recruited simply didn't reveal themselves. Market, all Marcus knew was that if there was a new brood selected, they were nowhere to be found on the Darknet site. In March, Marcus received a message from another solver named, nicknamed Sage, who made it into the 2012 brood with him. And the message said, we've been laid solve. off. Oh. But had no further information. I thought Marcus was the only one left. He was the only one left coding. But oh, they I also see. had access. Mm-hmm. So Sage told him they'd been laid off. When Marcus tried to log back, log back onto the Darknet site, it was gone. <gasps> mm-hmm. So... Fast forward to January 26th, 2014. A Twitter account under the handle at 1231507051321 posted a cryptic message in white font against a black background. Mm-mm. It said, Hello, Epiphany is upon you. Your pilgrimage has begun. Enlightenment awaits. At the time of this article being written, it was, uh, I think, 2015. It said, solvers have spent the better part of a year stuck in the cicada hole trying to decipher 58 pages of runes. Ah. Um, for two years, Marcus stayed quiet and he was scared. He, like, wondered who they were, why they had stopped reaching out to him. He was scared they were going to come after him. But then after two years, he decided that in the spirit of free information that Cicada 3301 was so staunchly in favor of, it was time to share his story and his work. He hid the code for cakes on the dark net where others might find it and finish what his brood started. Since 2014, no new cicada puzzles have been posted. Nobody knows who they are. Damn it. And there are like, I tried looking up like cicada 3301 theories and all it's, all it says is like, some people think it's the NSA. Some people think it's the CIA. They have come forward and been like, nope. I don't think it we is. We don't know. No, there's no way. No. People are worried that it's, like, a terrorist group mm. or whatever, but nobody knows. No, I we think don't it's even a bunch of fucking true. nerds. It's just a bunch of, it's a bunch of self-righteous, yes. like, fedora weird nerds, nerds, basically. Right. Who are, like, um... <laughs> Can we say that? Are we gonna get a weird encrypted message on our mystery team? Don't. That gave me the spooks. Sorry, you gave me the spooks! <laughs> you spooked me! This is your fault. I really think it's just a bunch of nerds who, like, write code together on the internet. I think they're harmless. They just have a lot of them and probably a lot of money. One, two, five, nine, nine, five, nine, five, one, one, two. <laughs> Are you a cicada bot? Yeah. Um, oh my god, I bet they're on the front lines of, like, sex dolls. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it really does sound like uh-huh. it's, like, an organization of, like, enlightenment seekers, which, like, okay, cool. But I think it's probably been around for a long time. I'm sure it's been around for a long time, if it's real. And they're just, like, yeah, they're just, like, freedom fighters, basically, which, like, good on them, whatever. Yeah, and they're insufferably pretentious. Right. But they probably grew up the smartest people in, like, a 600-mile radius. Right. And I think that earns you the right to be a little bit pretentious. Yeah. So good on you. And they're not doing anything bad. They're just, like, trying to help Chelsea Manning. Yeah. (laughs) Great. 
Great. Go on your darknet site. Use neon green font on a black background. Right. Write some code. Help whistleblowers. Help whistleblowers. I'm into it. Be smart. Marcus is at... Don't tweet us. University of Virginia, please. Oh, he's at University of Virginia where Edgar Allan Poe went? I think so. I think that's where he went. Every time I try to click on this article, it takes a couple tries and it makes me really uncomfortable. (gasps) Okay, so the article I used is called Cicada, Solving the Web's Deepest Mystery by David Kushner. He went to... Control F University. I am. We're hackers. (laughs) (laughs) Virginia Tech. Okay, cool. God, can you imagine if he went to the same school Poe went to? He would have said something about it in the article. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I learned Marcus. that in, like, fourth grade. All right, Marcus. Oh, my God, my computer. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, why do I suddenly hear this weird noise? <gasps> Is it because it's... No, I think it's because it's ten years old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's because like, it's trying to play I, Tanya, the DVD that's been stuck in it since... I'm going to have to try to get that out before Do I... our listeners know that you've had the DVD of I, The Tanya screener for I, Tanya? Stuck <laughs> in your computer since before the Oscars, <laughs> and it never came out. And, and like, every time... <laughs> frequently, your computer just tries to play it. Yeah. It's like, when I open it after a while, it's like, did you... Did you want to watch I, Tanya? Did you want to watch I, Tanya? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I moved... I didn't have internet the first night, so Maggie <laughs> gave her. lent me the Indiana jo- or the Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah, but my bed is like upstairs and the TV was downstairs, so I like took my computer into my bed like with Back to the Future and I was super jazzed. And then I realized that I can't watch anything other than I Tanya because it's just stuck in there. <laughs> and I watched it and it's great. If you are intelligent I've and seen you know like how to get now. a DVD out of a computer, we Listen. have a message for you. Just follow this. Hello. Encrypted. We are seeking intelligent individuals who know how to get my screener. (laughs) My screener that I was supposed to get rid of ten years ago. Yeah, you're supposed to just break it. I know, but I it's I mean it's breaking me. (laughs) (laughs) My how the turntables. My how the Tanya's eye. Uh, so that's the mystery of Cicada 3301. I like knows. that one. It's spooky. Yeah. I have a, I found a bunch of really good internet mysteries. Some of which are kind of ended do. up being boring. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We did it. We did it. We don't know. Ew, I'm not putting my foot on your foot. Oh, I didn't think you were going to. Put, put, I'll do it with a shoe on. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not Ready? the same. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Yes. Ugh. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I touched your foot with my foot. It's so gross. Okay, love you. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.